Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are an angel podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Allie. And today we are talking about season five, uh, Damage, and you're welcome. <laughs> How's it going? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I you know. I keep meaning to not say that exact question. You know, it's like gotta tweak it. Uh, how's your morning been? <laughs> yeah, it's like contain it to one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, my morning was Angel. Like I just watched both episodes. So also, eh. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. It. I really miss Buffy. <laughs> okay, I am. I think we're, we'll have a little bit of a dialogue then. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not bad. It's just like I was watching it and I was like, you know, like I really thought, you know, get, uh, this is like, okay, let's just say I would rather be watching this season of Angel. if it's, pretty much if, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I'm only watching Angel for the, like for this instead of both Buffy and Angel, like, and I had to pick a season, like this would probably be the one that mm-hmm. I would pick to do that with. It still feels a little like a chore sometimes. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I had some interesting reactions to these episodes. Um, sometimes you and I take our temperature before we start recording, but we didn't today. So I actually liked Damage quite a bit. So I'm interested to talk about that. Yeah, I think my reaction to Damage was definitely influenced by like other factors. Mm, um, okay. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. But yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not bad. Um, and... I mean, we'll talk about your welcome, which is, you know, I think the whole mixed bag. That one's a real mixed nut. It really situation, was, in my nut. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> the whole episode is a, a, ba- a bag of mixed nuts. There were some great moments and some terrible ones, and then you know, it's like all these leftover bad nuts from yeah, last season. And a few really, where you're like, how did that get in there? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's even a better metaphor than mixed nuts, but Maybe it's what, like jelly beans, right? Where it's yeah, like, it's like some of like, them. Yeah, there's some black licorice in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but other, how are you doing? Uh, fine. It's a yeah. nice day. It was a nice afternoon yesterday. But I kind of slacked off too much during the day, and then now I'm like, need to finish a work thing tomorrow, which is annoying. But I like literally have no one to blame but for but myself. <laughs> it's like there was a lot of the day where I was not focused. Yeah, it's always fun when you're like, I could leave this till Monday and hate myself, or I could do a little, this on the weekend and hate myself yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, or I could have just done it during my normal work hours on a Friday and then not had been either of those predicaments, right? Yeah. Whatever. You know what I do, what is a nice thing? Um, our wedding florist is, as many businesses are, it has been like trying to figure out what to do, <laughs> you know, during this time to kind of keep her business afloat and also help out the farms that she works with. And so she ended up starting a monthly flower delivery subscription. So we um, signed up for that mostly just to support her specifically. Um, Cause I really, I really liked working with her and she's been really nice about, uh, you know, our plans being so up in the air and been really, anyway, she's been really flexible. So, and also I like having flowers around, but we got our first delivery yesterday and they're so pretty. It's just like ridiculous and like really, you know, I normally I would not sign up for a flower delivery during this time, you know, only because there was this like specific other reasons to do so. But I have to say it really did make my day a little brighter yesterday. You know, it's funny because I feel like in this time, like it's like 
on the one hand, everybody's kind of like, oh, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. You know, I'm going to like eat what I want and like drink and like do all this stuff. And then on the other hand, it's like, you're like, well, maybe I should be frugal because like the economy is like dying. Yeah. You know, but then it's like, sometimes you just need to like enjoy the moment and like get the flowers and like, you know, let yourself have a little joy. I think it's more that I feel I feel extreme anxiety every time I decide to deliver get something delivered, and it's like always the same exact mental Olympics of like what is too risky for other people for me to ask other people to do. But at the same time, it's like, or is it better to support these farms so they don't crumble? <laughs> you know, and it's just like it's all this real you know pros and cons every time. So, because I had a specific personal connection to this person, so I figured this was an okay thing to do. But whatever. Anyway, yeah, flowers are really just, pretty. So like measure your own comfort and then go from there yeah it all as we i think we've said this before literally everything feels like an episode of the good place where you're like i don't know is every everything's bad if you think too hard about it (laughs) every decision you make is the wrong one so yeah you still have to make decisions so whatever i feel like people are really just like ready to like be able to do something like i've had so many friends now be like well, not so many, like really just two. Be like consistently being like, you should just come stay with us for a while. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fine. We haven't been sick. And I'm like, yeah, but like I have to encounter other people. Things to get to your house yeah. and other people. And like that could that could undo the fragile, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, peace that we have going on. So yeah, it's it's funny. It's like everybody's got their own level. Mm-hmm. Mine's pretty cautious, I think. I think mine is too. This is a big week for me, actually. My masks came in the mail. Oh. So it's like the <laughs> well, most exciting day I've had in months. And we have <laughs> explicit plans to go outside for a moment today. So <laughs> it's also a big day for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get into damage. Yeah, I'm excited to get into damage. Um, <clears throat> so in this episode, we get introduced to, um, you know, this new character uh, who is being kept in a psychiatric hospital and clearly has psychic abilities. So some there's some mix up with her medication and it turns out she's super powerful, either just really strong or may- I, at first it seemed like maybe even more psychic abilities, but she uh, breaks out of the hospital and somebody at the hospital alerts Angel Investigations to let them know something weird is going on. That's probably more than just um, your typical break hospital breakout. So they, Angel and Spike, go to talk to the, her doctor and talk to the nurse who called them. And um, they, you know, find out that this girl who escaped in addition, you know, she's very powerful, but she was also just had this really horrible background where her family had been kidnapped and she had been tortured. And so it's like, she was just dealing with a lot. And then in addition to that, somehow manifesting in superpowers. So Spike gets some misinformation from his fake Doyle, I think. Uh, and he, he's, he pretty much goes off of the initial theory, which is that she's possessed. Uh, but meanwhile, Angel <laughs> gets a little visit from the top man at, uh, from Buffy's team, who turns out to be Andrew. <laughs> Uh, so he is there to let them know that actually this is, a another potential. So we actually kind of get the first real fallout from the decision that Buffy made at the end of season seven to empower every potential slayer. And this is kind of our first hint that, uh, and probably the only one on TV that 
you know, they, they, they empower thousands of girls around the world and they don't know who they all are or where they all are. So it turns out that this is one of those girls, but that story that happened to her about her family and the torture also really happened to her. So she is just a particularly volatile slayer running around and she hates vampires, (laughs) which is to say spike and angel. Um, so, you know, they go to track her down, not before, uh, they also kind of explain that kind of what happened to Buffy in the very early seasons, that the way that potentials kind of manifest is that they have really vivid dreams that are sometimes memories of past slayers. So this girl's horrific past is now melding with things that she's seeing from other slayers and she just cannot sort the two out. So she ends up mixing up Spike for her own captor um, in the real world because Spike, of course, encountered a couple of slayers and killed two of them in his life as well. Um, So she ends up kind of kidnapping and torturing Spike to kind of get revenge on him. Of course, Spike has done a lot of horrible things, but he was not responsible for her particular life. Uh, And she ends up getting pretty far uh, before Angel and Spike... I'm sorry, Spike and... (laughs) Andrew and Angel <laughs> come and they kind of finish off and save rescue Spike. And then they get that girl, um, you know, sedated for the moment so, so that they can figure out what to do with her. And in the end, Andrew said, announces that like, well, since she's a slayer, she's falls under basically their jurisdiction. And after some hemming and hawing Angel, you know, decides to let her go with Andrew and his other slayers that he had in tow secretly. So basically he kind of used them to help, capture this slayer and spike uh ended up getting both of his hands cut off but because they're wolfram and Hart, and this is a magical show they were able to stitch them back on and with the shaman yeah yes (laughs) magically and medically replace his hands so i thought this episode was pretty good and i think a lot of that is because i do you know, I think we've probably touched on this a few times. I've only read maybe the first couple trades of season eight Buffy comics, but this is pretty much the initial plot line, right? Like they need to go find all these slayers and some of them are problems and some of them are not. I never know. I don't know. I think I'd have to go and give the comics another try. And that's always kind of in the back of my head. I, I never really fell super hard for them, but I do a little bit like getting to, in this really contained way, deal with a little bit of that fallout. I think that is a really interesting concept. And then the more important thing for me was that I did actually think this was a good episode. I thought it was a very good episode for Spike to kind of get to really, you know, he has been really not as affected by his past life as Angel has been. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, they're obviously just different personality types that deal with things in a different way. But I think a lot of it really was because he just hadn't forced himself to kind of deal with what he had really done in his past. And obviously this episode and the events in it force him to look at what he's done. Yes. He wasn't responsible for this specific girl, but he was responsible for a lot of similar out, you know, similar things. So I don't know. I liked, I kind of, I just liked what they were doing. I still have some nitpicks, but I liked the overall point and I liked the general getting to see Andrew and dealing with the fallout of Buffy's huge decision. Yeah, I'm so glad they didn't make Spike actually be her captor because I wouldn't have put it past them. And that's a good point. Magical coincidence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I. It's also just not his mo. You know, he was like a torturer, but I just don't see. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just being too optimistic. 
Oh, no, anyway. I'm sure he did something like that to someone yeah, else. Yeah, I guess but you're right. Not this particular girl. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked the peak. Like, so the thing about like the end of Buffy, right, is like we know. Well, we know now, especially because Spike has been here, and this isn't the first we've been hearing about Buffy, but. You know, her story didn't just end with everyone driving away from Sunnydale, right? Like, the story continues. They've got to, like you say, like, clean up after the mess that they made, which is a, probably a bunch of really scared women out there and girls who suddenly have all these memories that they don't know. They probably think they're going crazy. They've got all this crazy strength. And, like, you know, it's... There's a reason, like, you know, we talk about how awful the Watcher Council right. was, but they, there was a reason they existed, right? And like, at least then you get some sort of explanation for all the changes that are happening to you instead of just being left out in the dark. Right. Yeah. And so we see a little bit of, like, Buffy's operation that she's got. Like, Andrew has, you know, Andrew's in the field. Willow and Kennedy are in, in Brazil, South America, and Andrew's or Xander's in Africa. Like, they've set up these bases of operation to, like, track down these girls and help them. Mm-hmm. But they also, like, they have a mission, and their mission is the same. It's, like, we're the slayers who fight the vampires yeah. and we fight evil. And, like, you know, and it's, I think the most fascinating moment is, like, at the end when, you know, first of all, a- Angel should have always assumed that they would want the slayer. Right. Like, it's a little crazy to say that he would own her or, yeah. you know, be in charge what was of he thinking whatever would happen, would happen to yeah. her. But but the reasoning given is, like, Buffy doesn't trust you anymore. And, yeah. and that's kind of, I think... A really interesting thing because Buffy would only have heard tangentially, right, of like angels taking over mm-hmm. this law firm. Like he didn't tell her when he came to Sunnydale, like where he got the amulet and all that stuff. He just, you know, because Angel and Buffy don't talk, but like she would know. And so she doesn't approve, right? And like we were starting to see in the last few episodes, like Angel also is starting to wonder if like this is really what they should be doing. Like, he doesn't feel like a hero anymore. Mm -hmm. It feels like they're making a lot of compromises. They're letting a lot of evil people continue to operate. And Buffy obviously doesn't want to know the gray. Like, she's Mm -hmm. just like, you've taken over this law firm that's done a lot of bad. And, you know, I can't trust you to do the right thing by this girl. Because, like, I'm sure she believes Angel has every intention of doing the right thing. But... Can Angel actually protect her from the larger entity of Wolferman Hart? Mm-hmm. Probably not. So I thought that was fascinating. I also love that these girls are like Andrew's backup. <laughs> but also it really just conveys like, no, we have a mission and we have an operation and you don't fit into that mission. And and I think more interesting too is like there's no offer other than you know, him him bringing up the point to Spike of, like, you haven't told Buffy that you're alive. Right. But there's no offer for Spike to come either. Right. Like, I don't think Spike or Angel fit in Buffy's operation right now. And and I love that moment where it's kind of a joke, right, where Angel, Andrew's like, well, I have 12 slayers behind me and none of them has dated you. And yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> but basically, Angel is resting on this assumption that, like, he gets a special pass with Buffy, and this is Andrew's way of telling him, one, you don't get a special pass, and yeah. two, you don't get a special pass with any of these women here, and we don't want you. And... I find that really fascinating. I do too. And actually, now that you're saying all of that, you know what it really re- also reminds me of is how it just reminds me of past mistakes that both of these shows have made in regards to Buffy and Angel. And really, I mean, season seven Buffy, right, where we see Angel come back and they act like he's still the love of her life, who still has this very specific role that he'll always play anytime they're together. And I think that was we commented on that certainly at the time and 
now in this episode, it feels even more like such a huge misstep because what I think is when Angel, the show is doing things right, it really is setting a different tone and a different path for Angel than what Buffy has. Like they're not the same character, you know, like he's not, they can't be on the exact same mission because then why did we bother having another show? But yeah, I guess just kind of going back to what you were saying though, what I mean is they've grown apart. And I wish that season seven of Buffy hadn't tried to pretend like they hadn't just for the sake of quote unquote closure. But I do like that this feels like a more honest depiction of them and where they're at now. And I don't even think that it means that Buffy's right about Angel and Wolfram and Hart, because I personally, I don't 100% agree with her assessment or even these two episodes assessment of what Angel is doing. Um, But but yeah, I, I do think that it is so realistic to show that because they've been apart for so long and because they're dealing with such different parts of these worlds that they're not on the same path. I don't think that means it's a, it's a judgment on it. I don't think it has to be a judgment on what Angel's doing, but it is still really true to their relationship. That it's like, you can't go five years apart from somebody and expect to be in exactly the same place. No. And I think that the, the thing that undermines this is like, that I think makes it seem like Buffy is more like weirdly, critical of Angel from afar is that, you know, she's, she's talked about here as passing judgment on Angel's choices, Mm -hmm. right? That might not seem as bizarre or as disinterested of Buffy if every time Angel had shown up on Buffy in the last few seasons, they hadn't just immediately started making it. Right. Like, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's exactly. Like, that's what we were talking about whenever exactly. he would show like, up this- and they're just like kissing and you're like, this doesn't make sense. And like, this is what we see the flip side of that, of why that doesn't make sense. Because that like, exactly. Angel showing up while Buffy's fighting Caleb and then just kissing her and giving her everything she needs to fight the last battle and then leaving really undermines this moment here where Angel, you know, like we can kind of see like what would happen is like from Angel's point of view, that happens every time he goes to Sunnydale. So like he has Buffy's unconditional right approval, love and approval. Right? Yeah. And like from the Buffy point of view, like we've seen the character grow. So we're like, why is she kissing this guy? Right, it makes right, no right. sense. And like we we're like, oh, of course she doesn't have like blanket approval of what he's doing. But each show has like really tried to play this angle in such a weird inconsistent yet somehow like they're trying to be consistent way that like it's like like they're consistent with the making out and inconsistent (laughs) with like the character growth and so it just makes it really confusing and I think it kind of for me at least might make Buffy seem a little harsher than she otherwise I think that that's true you know what else though it was also a missed opportunity and I wish that they had done this too is to (laughs) maybe as much as Buffy doesn't trust Angel or at least that's what they're saying The flip side, though, is that, like, there are really serious consequences to the decision that she made. This is her mess to clean up, and that was actually what I expected Andrew's first explanation to be about why they needed to take this layer, is not because they don't trust Angel, but because, like, this is their mess and they need to deal with it. I feel like he, Angel, should have jumped at the opportunity to say, like, you don't necessarily trust me, but every decision that you've made isn't perfect either, you know? And, like, then again, like, why get so petty in this moment? Maybe that's, it's fine that he didn't say that, but, like, I do think that there's a real opportunity here to also critique what Buffy has done. Well, because it, 
Because it, the show is only writing from Angel's point of view. So why would Buffy turn him down? Is because she doesn't approve of Angel because that serves the plot they want to do on this show, right. which, you know, see next episode. So, But it's, it's true. It's true. And actually, you're totally right, because I watched this episode last night and the other one this morning. And watching this one last night, I felt pretty positive about it. But yes, in relationship to what they're trying to set up about Angel doubting himself, it is a little bit more shoehorned than it should have been, I think. I yeah, because Buffy can't just say, oh, this is my thing, this is my domain, and everybody's happy. It's like she has to, like, really drive home to Angel that I don't approve what you're doing because it's this is Buffy through Angel's lens, which, yes, it's Angel's show, but it's also kind of a disservice to Buffy because it, like, makes everything she's doing in service of his his story arc. Mm. Um, just, like, it's... No, I understand why they're doing that because they don't have to write a Buffy show anymore. But like I, I guess part of me is wondering like if from afar, just hearing glimpses, like Buffy wouldn't assume like, oh, Angel might have good reasons for some of this stuff or like why she would just be like, we don't trust you with this thing. Like I think her, I think the better and true reason would just, should just be. Because it's her like, mess. I don't even think Buffy, yeah, I don't even think Buffy should consider whether she trusts Angel. I think it should just yeah, be like, like she needs to take responsibility for what she's done. Yeah, but and I think that she would. To that point, though, even though, yeah, I get what you're saying about this is being her told through his lens, but that same, it's, it's always the same flaw on the show Angel, right, though? Because there is still an opportunity for Angel to assert himself and to say, no, you're, you're like, she's not the high and mighty. She's not the powers that be. She's just another person, you know, and she's just as flawed as he is in making these choices. So I do wish that they had given him a little bit more of a backbone to stand up for himself. But again, yes, that doesn't play into kind of the, the story, the little mini story arc but that they have him on. But you can't do that when you have your character simpering and just assuming that he gets a special pass. Right? Like but that he wasn't doing that all. for like the Angel whole episode. Had, if, like, Angel in that moment isn't going to say, like, well, who is Buffy to make this decision? Angel in that moment has to be, well, I can do whatever I want because Buffy just loves me. Like, yeah. that's... It, like, those two things I don't think are compatible. I guess I'm just voting for the other alternative. Oh, no, I would have preferred to <laughs> have seen saying, that, but I'm yeah. saying I don't think that they can do that because they have to do this other thing or they chose to yes, do this other thing. Yes, they can thing. do whatever they want. They've made some poor decisions. Um, nothing new there. Right. Yeah. But going, so it is funny too, though, that like the continual flaw in Angel and Buffy is their relationship, you know, past season three of Buffy. It's like, uh, I guess past season one of Angel, it's like, they just don't know what to do with them anymore. Cause it's like, they are, yes, they're determined to stick to this narrative that they're the great love of each other's lives. But like, what does that even mean when you don't spend any time together and have no future? <laughs> it's like, it doesn't mean anything. You don't have to stick to this story anymore. You can have them just have their own lives. So that's yeah, funny because when that, you've done all this growing up apart from each other, you can't yeah. keep throwing them back together as this like ultimate end goal. It doesn't make sense. It's like yeah. it's why most people aren't even in contact with their high school boyfriend. Right, like, right. That's not <laughs> yeah. But what I do think is interesting about that is that like that for me is really the low point of this episode. Whereas everything else that they're doing, I thought was again kind of like season five Angel, otherwise pretty much getting this right. You know, I felt like the way they told Spike's story was really meaningful and we kind of really needed it. You know, and other times when they've tried to kind of rehash Spike's point in the show, it felt like redundant to season seven of Buffy. But this was kind of the first time that I felt like even as a character, as even as a viewer who's followed Spike for this entire time, I still got something new out of it. So I really and I, I yeah, I my other real only critique about this is not actually that anything that this was poorly done in the episode. But didn't this girl seem exactly like River? Slimmer Glow to you. 
Because I was like, she even said a word. Some, so she had some line, and I was like, oh my god, she's just. They wrote her like he can't stop writing river dialogue from from Firefly. Yeah, like a she, bit of is, a trope in the Joss Whedon universe. Maybe not to the greater world, but like I was like, mm, I've seen this exact thing before. <laughs> unstable weapon. Yeah, yeah uns- it's um, yeah, definitely. And I think the actress even looks a little. She like looked Summer a lot Mom. like her for a second. Uh, I was like, oh my god. The I other yeah. thing that I really struggled with is this is Teresa from the OC, and oh. I could not see past that. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Did I not get to that part? Uh, it's in season one. So. Teresa. I don't remember that. She's like the girl from Chino who like Ryan maybe oh. gets pregnant. <laughs> oh my God. I did not recognize her. Uh, yeah. It's all I could think about the whole time. Hmm. <laughs> oh, you know, and with the bangs, I thought she looked totally different. I see it now, obviously. Yeah. But no, it's totally a trope. And like, I, I think that's what gets to me sometimes is like they're just like a rehash of things and like yes I thought the spike part was actually really interesting like instead of a rehash of spike's you know story we get some real thoughtfulness here of he isn't the one who did this to her but he's recognizing that he did do this to other people and like it could have easily just been someone that he had done it to yeah um and I'm glad the show didn't make that actually the case but yeah I agree but it's very poignant and it's it's much more poignant that it wasn't him, but that he still feels the weight of it because he now has a soul and isn't the same person that he was. Yeah. And it's brutal. I mean, she cuts his hands off. That was so <laughs> great. I was like, that cannot have just happened. <laughs> I mean, again, granted, we live in this world where it's pretty easy to mystically and medically restitch your hands on. So, like, it doesn't have to have lasting consequences. But, like, that was pretty jarring. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. uh, a lot of this story just kind of annoyed me, though. Like, you mm. know, the whole um, psych hospital thing is, like, also a trope that they've done a lot on Angel. And, like, this idea that, like, okay, she goes off her meds, so she's really dangerous. But who leaves a saw just, like, lying around a mental ward? Like, yeah. all of this felt very, you know, convenient. And just, like, either this is the worst mental ward ever or, like, it's just, like, oh, we need her to pick up a saw. Uh, we'll just put it here, because cause whatever. And, like, that nurse was also, like, super casual about, like, mixing up two medicines. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't a, a great operation there. I mean, yeah, overall, and- I did like this episode. And even with the even with my nitpicks about the Angel Buffy storyline, I still feel like, I don't know. I thought it was, like, a well, I thought it was a well-constructed episode. And we have not addressed the elephant in the room, which is that... Much like Harmony, I don't think I will ever not enjoy Andrew's presence on one of these shows. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, no, he was great. The part where he got Angel to accidentally start saying vampire, I was like, all right, that was a well-earned joke, and I liked it. I liked every second of it. <laughs> but, like, I loved... And Andrew with his pipe. Andrew with his pipe. Andrew calling Spike Gandalf the White. I was like, that, first of all, is so accurate. It's uncanny, but also, like, just so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God. I loved it. I loved Andrew. I love that he's like more competent, but still totally him, his kind of babbling self who's like not totally together. You know, like he's not as badass as he thinks he is, but he does have some cred. I don't know. I'm all about it. Also, one, one nitpick though, they didn't know that Buffy had done this thing with the, the Slayers. Like Angel didn't call her up after the, her epic final battle and say, how'd it go? You know, that is a good question, but I don't know. They, again, what are the rules on their communication? They're always here and there. But even if he knew, I don't know that he would have suspected she was one of them without a little more prompting. But 
I don't know. But Andrew's telling them this story like they've never heard it before. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I just had questions. Again, it's just like little things that bugged me, but... Mm. They, none of them bug me as much as the fact that all gun says anymore is legal jargon, and I'm kind of tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that plays into more of, like, gun. You know, this, there's this underlining thing that we're definitely starting to notice where, like, gun is, like, the only one who seems to be reveling in their new circumstances. Mm-hmm. So I'll chalk it up to that. But I would like them to stop having him just randomly say exculpatory evidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, I mean, I think on the whole, I did not hate this episode. I just had, it was just, like, very distracting because of, like, actor recognition and, like, there were some some annoyances. But as usual, like we said, like, we've, I think we don't ever think they do great with the Buffy Angel, like, continuation. But I, do, I think um, that that was only, to me, that only bothered me in that final scene. Because I didn't feel like that was a theme spread out across the whole episode. Wasn't Buffy's oh no. judgment on Angel. That only came up at the last minute. So really, it was... I thought what I ultimately, and this is why I kind of brought up the comics initially, maybe I would feel differently if I read them now, but as much as I like this idea of the mess that Buffy's decision caused, what I more so like is having closure at the end of seven seasons of a show and not re-exploring the, the items. So I guess what I, as, a, as just my own personal, like my, with my weird idiosyncrasies, I kind of really like that we just get one episode of this related show to just kind of talk about that for a second and then like put it back on the shelf and never deal with it again. Like, I don't think I'm actually interested in following their operations across the globe to find every potential. Like, I'm not really interested in that. Am I interested in this idea? This as a notion? Yes. So I think in that way, like this is just enough for me. And like, since it's not Buffy the show, we don't ever have to deal with it again. So I actually enjoy that aspect of like, it's a cool concept. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. I am gonna move on. Speaking of moving on, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's talk about You're Welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like the episode where big stuff goes down. Um, 100th episode of Angel. Just going to preface with that. So mm-hmm. it felt a little like a special event, I think. But we start off the episode with Cordelia has woken up. And, you know, she's been kind of in the background this whole time, so... This is an episode Cordelia is now, again, front and center. She's woken up. Angel and Wesley go to the hospital to see her. They expect to find her, you know, just coming out of a coma, but she's up. She's perky. She's bouncing around. Her hair is curled. Like, she's <laughs> come out of a mystical coma looking hot. So they take her back. You know, they take her to go shopping for clothes, and then they bring her to Wolferman Hart. So Cordelia is, you know, when she fell into a coma, they were still operating out of the hotel. You know, but a lot of things have changed, including... Angel is now running with Wolfman Hart, and Connor has disappeared. So Cordelia is trying to like play catch up on everything that's going on. You know, Angel tells her he made the deal with Wolfman Hart so that um, he could give Connor a better life, and nobody else remembers him. Cordelia is not very approving of this decision, and now she's just trying to kind of help them deal with the mess that they're in with Eve and Lindsay. Um, so everything kind of comes to a head in this episode. You know, Lindsay sends Spike to go kill Cordelia because he tells her that he has a vision that she's um that she's evil and everyone quickly figures out like Spike's gotten information that's like pretty old but Lindsay has sent Spike to kill Cordelia because Cordelia coming back is like a wrench in Lindsay's plan 
Um, they discover that there's some someone that they're dealing with who's covered in tattoos because Cordelia has a vision of all these symbols that we've seen on Lindsay's wall and Lindsay's skin. They figure out someone's trying to mask himself from surveillance by higher powers and also just general run-of-the-mill electronic surveillance. Um, so Lindsay has snuck into Wolfram and Hart and he's enacted his, his great plan, which turns out to be using some kind of machine in the basement of Wolfram and Hart to kill Angel. So Angel and Cordelia have to go down to the basement to confront Lindsay. They defeat him uh, because, meanwhile, Wesley and everyone else is doing a spell to remove all of his tattoos. Um, and so the senior partners see Lindsay and they suck him up through a portal and and he's gone. I don't really remember what happened to Eve. <laughs> they just, like, put her in the um, elevator I, and were like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were like really guarding her, her and they were like, yeah, yeah. see what the senior partners are going to do to yeah. you. Um, but then at the end, he, you know, Cordelia and Angel have a moment, you know, she she tells him, you know, you are still a hero. This doesn't have to be who you are. Like, you're still helping the helpless and you're still doing good. And she tells him that she's leaving, though, because she can't stick stick around and like, this isn't her place and she kisses him goodbye and she leaves and then Angel gets a phone call telling him from the hospital that Cordelia has died. Yeah. So it was all a dream. <laughs> well, I don't know. If that's Not a dream, accurate, but it was but all it was all something. <laughs> it was all mystical. Yeah. I mean basically what she's telling him is like the powers that be have woken her up to help him. Yes. One last um, time. And I really went through the plot haphazardly because I, I don't know if the plot is like super important for this episode. No, I mean, I think you touched on the important yeah. points. I had really mixed reactions to this. And I think Same. the big takeaway is that the biggest problems with this all are fallout from season four. And then the nice things about it are like, I don't know. I think parts of it would be f- okay if I didn't know so much about the behind the scenes, right? Because like if Charisma Carpenter had left this show more by her own choice and then like agreed to come back for one episode then it like this is kind of, it's like nice to give a character like a better more complete send-off so like in that way right like it was a it was a much better exit than she got last season so that part I enjoyed but then it's hard knowing that like well this isn't you you kind of did this to her and it didn't have to be this. We could have been telling a completely different story. So it's just like, it's just kind of a lot to get in your head at once. So, you know, and then it's like also because she's only back for one episode, like they have to speed through so much of this to make it get to, you know, to resolve the plot in 40 minutes instead of giving it a couple of episodes. So it's like, there were definitely, they definitely could have done better if they were really working with her. But I do... It really meant something to me to get to see Cordelia as herself kind of say goodbye and like have these interactions with, you know, Wesley and Angel, basically. So, yeah, and I, I love the moment where Cordelia apologizes I to Wesley for killing that. Lila. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, it wasn't you, yeah. but she still, you know, just wants to say like, she's sorry that it happened. Yeah, I, that meant a lot to me, too. I, I like it really. Yeah, like that moment kind of hit me a little bit hard. But again, it's like, yeah, and the also whole, where she's like, moment. nobody's talking about what happened. And it's like, yeah, nobody ever talks about what had happened. But again, there's no time, you know, they can't tell a whole story, an episode's worth of story and do all of that if she's only here for one episode. So that was definitely the kind of disservice aspect of it. 
but yeah. I thought the other disservice was the plot. So right. Well, this yeah. idea <laughs> yes. right. that Lindsay has, I mean, again, I've talked about this before. I, and I still, even though like they defeated him, like I, I'm no. really struggling with the decision to bring Lindsay back. Like it just does not, I agree. Still does not make sense to me. And also the fact that it gets resolved so quickly seems to either indicate that it was not supposed to be as big a deal as we were primed to think mm-hmm. or they also decided it wasn't working because right. like Lindsay has been lurking in the background for a few episodes now in a way that makes you think he's going to be like Angel's big bad, right? right. Like that's going to be the person they're fighting this season. But now he's gone and his plan unravels like pretty quickly and his plan is well, like really lame. Exactly. And also that his plan was so like, oh, re- that was it? <laughs> that was the whole thing? His plan was like super villain like cheese. Like, like it was just like, I'm yeah. going to, you know, I'm going to activate the machine and it's gonna like kill every you but know it's also, like it was so cartoony and and also it just i still don't quite understand Lindsay's beef with yes, angel because no, exactly. he never explains it either exactly that i think was the real thing for me was that like they were go- i thought they were either going to reveal that he was using angel as a way to get back at the senior partners which would make way more sense to me uh or that there was something we didn't know about him and angel's past right like otherwise it literally was just remember that time you cut off my arm in season one or whatever, and then I'm and I'm getting revenge on you. I was like, that was so cut and dry. Like I really expected more from you, Lindsay. Like <laughs> I go through all these lengths just to try and kill Angel. Like I really thought he had something more maniacal going on. Yeah, it was very disappointing. And I agree. I think also, you know, the the we were kind of talking about this at the last episode. Clearly the arc that they've been going through with Angel is he's questioning whether or not taking over Wolfram and Hart was the right decision. And he, especially in the last couple episodes, has really been struggling with like, I don't feel like myself anymore. I don't even know if I'm the hero, blah, blah, blah. So obviously these ones have all kind of been working in tandem to get him back to like feeling like himself and like taking the reins again, right? So I guess I also uh, don't love the idea that, like, the guy he had to defeat to, like, feel like him all his old self was, like, Lindsay. Like, that also just didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, killing, festing Lindsay is going to really remind you of who you are? Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing. Lindsay was, like... Who is Lindsay to them? In the grand scheme of Angel, what I think Lindsay is, like, top five Angel adversaries, not really. Like... He was one lawyer in a bigger machine. Like, I feel like I tend to wrap up, Wolf, like, Lindsay with Wolfram and Hart. Yeah. And so, like, Lindsay on this personal vendetta is, like, it just didn't land for me at all. And, like, this idea that, like, he's going to be the one to, like, convince Angel of yeah. all of this. I don't know how. Like, I like because, like, even Angel dealing with Lindsay just feels like... He's dispatched so easily that it's like Lindsay is just exactly. like kind of a like, joke to him. He was like, a joke. <laughs> but I, also, I don't understand how like that is supposed to convince Angel of this. So like, if it had been wrapped up in a bigger thing of like Wolfram and Hart and Angel deciding, okay, we're gonna take Wolfram and Hart down from the inside mm-hmm. or something, then like exactly. maybe. Yeah. But they don't even go there. And and what was the point of Eve this whole time? Nothing. I but don't get it. We knew out the gate that she was pointless. So that I at least feel. That's been consistent. Uh, but if her only thing was to be like Lindsay's eyes and ears, again, it all goes back to like, to what end? Like, something must like, have gotten. This is their grand plan yeah. was to like, also, I don't know what that machine was. Like, no. MacGuffin. That's what it was. But like. Yeah. That's the thing they have to stop. But it's like, it's, it's like this platform with steam and it's coming up. And I just like, was like, this is the cheesiest thing I've ever seen. It was. And 
you know what else? Just kind of to touch on, to continue to cut, touch on why, why Lindsay specifically as a character is such a poor fit for this role is because the point that you made a few for the last few episodes is that like, as we recall, they sort of parted amicably, at least as amicably as an evil lawyer and a, you know, soul having vampire can. But more importantly, that even more than with Lila, the show when Lindsay was on the show really went out of their way to give him I don't want to say give him a, a conscience, but like he more than any other person that we've ever encountered at Wolfram and Hart was like clearly there for, we got his backstory. We knew that he was more complicated than just pure evil. So like to have him always really be like, he was always really struggling with like whether or not he was going to be able to just fully commit to Wolfram and Hart and being evil. And in the end, he wasn't able to do that. So to have him as the one character who comes back and he's like, just joke, joking, I'm evil again. You know, it's kind of like you twirling his mustache. <laughs> yeah, like, you like, of all people. Yeah, no, why would you be the right. one to do that? <laughs> you're not that because person. Lindsay That's not who evil. he was. Lindsay was like, Lindsay and Lindsay Lila was together. Yeah. Yeah, they're just these pragmatic people who made decisions that aren't morally just, but they were never like, let me hatch my evil plan. Yeah, like, exactly. They were never just doing it for his own sake. It was always, you know, they needed money and then they fell into, like, I don't know, they were just, they were human. They were like fleshed out characters who had all these complicated motivations instead of just now well, a, and then a weird villain. It seems a like the cartoon. show is trying to give him more motivation by saying that, you know, he's trying to get what that Euro trash vampire got that was supposed to be right. his. Like, he what? left Wolfram and Hart. He didn't want that. But that implies he thought the amulet was his? No, no, no. I think he just meant Wolfram and Hart was his. He wanted to run but, Wolfram and Hart. But I would assume Euro trash vampire is Spike. Oh, I thought that was Angel. They're both European. <laughs> I guess. I'm pretty sure he meant Angel. Okay. Well, <clears throat> regardless, yeah, I that really didn't. That didn't track. Yeah. I mean, and then moving off of the Lindsay flaws of this episode, the other obvious thing I think for you and I, right, is that like it also is not in any way surprising, but as much as it's nice to give Cordelia a proper send off, it's also very typical of this show that Cordelia's one and final role is to motivate Angel. Like, could they be any more of a cliche in terms of like women and the way they use women characters on the show? Like she's only exists for Angel's character development. That's a little... She's his Jiminy Cricket. Like, mm, I think more she, she's his like woman in a refrigerator, right? This is like anything and everything terrible has to happen to her. They have to kill her just so that he can re-remember his own purpose is like completely in line with everything they did last season, but still stings. No, totally. But like she also outside of that is like also existing as like right, presenting right, herself right. as like his moral compass. Right, where, like, right. It's like, you know, if Cordelia had been around, like she never would have let him take the deal with Wolfram and Hart. And, you know, she won't stick around to see it through you know before we know like what's really going on but yeah she's there to tell him like you know no you're better than this and like this isn't you and like all that and so like yeah she had this horrible thing happen to her but like they're also bringing her back to just basically like set him on the straight and narrow yeah. path towards like heroism and in a lot of ways that makes sense but because yes that's always unfortunately been her role on the show I don't know it's like there's a part of it that is meaningful I think for those two characters but it's hard it's really hard with everything that happened last season to be really forgiving towards that as a concept but I don't know did you enjoy seeing Cordelia because I kind of did she brought her energy yeah. back to the show which I think has been missing I mean like you know Harmony has helped fill that void a little bit um but Harmony's got a different energy right. although I did love oh my Harmony god that Cordelia really hard out loud <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laughed really hard at her torturing Eve. <laughs> but 
quote unquote yeah, torturing. I mean, Cordelia coming in and like, you know, she's seeing everything with these, she wasn't there when everything went down. So she's seeing it all with like yeah. fresh eyes, if you will, and not really approving and also slipping right, right back into her role of like, you know, doing what needs to be done. And I, I liked part of that mm-hmm. and I liked seeing them interact again, but I, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, like you say, like I, like, that's the part I like about this episode is like, we do get to say goodbye to Cordelia. And I will say like, I find the ending really effective. Me too. Like, you know, all of this nonsense has gone down and yet the moment Angel says, thank you, I just start crying. Yeah, like, no, I got really like, worked up about it too. Yeah. But it's like, it's so hard to really appreciate or even let the show, I think, do what they're trying to do because so much of it is based on the consequences of right. this like awfulness that we had to watch. Yeah last season I mean and then and like yeah it's a corner that they wrote themselves into and like this is kind of how they're trying to get out of it but it just doesn't one it I don't think it could ever really work Mm-mm. and like it doesn't because they've really just undermined Cordelia's character to the point where like you can't do anything useful with her right. but then also they also try to combine it with other character arcs that make no sense so yeah it's like I appreciate what I think they're trying to do and I could let myself enjoy it but I can't yeah. because they've just and I made it so that I can't. I think the other <laughs> the other thing, right, is that from everything that I've read, Charisma Carpenter agreed to do this episode on the, with the one condition that she not die at the end. And then they did that anyway. So it's like, I mean, based, again, based on if knowing that she's not only going to be here for one episode and based on everything that they did in the last season, I, I genuinely don't know how they could have written a different ending for her. <laughs> like, there, I don't know what other option there was other than to just be like, she just pieces out. Like, that doesn't make any sense. So... I get why they made that choice, but it just, all of it just really is extra twisting of the knife, you know, for all the things that were upsetting last season and for all the stuff that's just kind of, yeah, it's hard. It's, it, it was, I thought it was a good episode. It just was also an episode that reminded me of everything that they've ever done wrong with specifically Cordelia and generally their female characters. So it's like, it was a real, maybe mixed bag isn't the right thing, but it was just like, it was really bittersweet of like, I, there were parts of it that were so nice and meaningful and then parts that were just so hard because we, they didn't have to end up that way. Speaking of tragic use of female characters, apparently Wesley's like chanting and like spell work is really attractive to friends. Yes, <laughs> but in friends' defense, it was also really attractive to me, but also Wesley's just really attractive. So no, where but has like she they're, been this they're clearly time? like taking this episode right. to like position of like, oh, Fred's seeing Wesley in a new yeah. light, and and I'm just starting to think ahead to like other mystery. I know, I know, I know. So. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself just for the sake of trying to be fair, but I know you're right. Yeah. They can mystery Eve. That's fine. I know because she was always a bad character, and she. I'm happy to see her go. I honestly, that, that was actually the most appropriate exit they've ever given someone. Like I don't know, whatever you're in the elevator or something. Who cares? <laughs> so yeah, that's about as much effort as I would have put into writing Eve off the show as well. Very I consistent too. With like they just like to leave her in the elevator. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I've got. Yeah. What do we have next time? Oh, shoot. You know what? I have one more thought. Sorry. Okay. Uh, just that I, I know it didn't actually really end up materializing, but as always, the thing that guts me and then never comes to fruition is these moments where they act like this group is finally going to be an ensemble. Like when they all were like, we've never gone out for a drink together before. And I was like, 
I, that also got me a little bit choked up when they all decided to just like, let's just go hang out. Like we could all use one. And I was like, that is so sweet to see them all like including Harmony and Lauren, like going out together somewhere as a group. Man, do also, I how always have they never all gone and gotten a drink? Cause they don't like each other. Allie, they never hang out. <laughs> We've never seen evidence that they're like really friends. Right. Is That's this been... so counter to like every group TV. Exactly. Show, like, yeah. Ever. Like I don't understand why they've never been able to, successfully write an ensemble story <laughs> this in five seasons this is the closest they've ever gotten and I know it's not gonna amount to anything <laughs> but it's also wildly inconsistent like they have these Chinese ordering right. traditions of like how they get their takeout but they've never gone to have a drink together but you and I have frequently commented on how much they don't seem to like one another as like jet as people so it's, I feel like it's mostly yeah, but consistent but. I just feel like this is just bizarre to me because it's so like just a few episodes ago in this season, they were like, yeah, we're just hanging out, having dinner. And like, you know, Cordelia even used to tell, remember when Wesley joined the team and Cordelia was like, yeah, after missions, he makes eggs. Like that's true. It's, yeah. Hmm. It's, it, I just have trouble believing that in five years they've never gone and had a drink. I believe it. That's not even true. They used to go to Lauren's club. Mm, that was always for mission. Maybe Fred met, like, all the people in that room. I think they only went to Lauren's Club when they needed information, though. I don't think that really yeah. counts. <laughs> I think I'm overthinking this, but yes. I, it does make me angry that, like, they, they are so inconsistent about this thing, but they also just, like, can't let them be normal people. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they always got to go and have a drink after a hard battle, but... Yeah. Or whatever, you know, noodles if they want that instead. Okay, now I'm done. Uh, okay. okay, next week we have, nope, this is the one we're on, uh, Why We Fight. Uh, that seems a little bit self-explanatory based on where Angel ended up at the end of this. And then yep. one called Smile Time. That just sounds si- that just sounds sinister. You don't know what that is? Oh, I do know what that is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cannot wait for that okay. one. Yeah, okay. Well, in the meantime, do you have any pop culture recommendations? Uh... No, I don't. I haven't done anything. You know that I do. Yes. Because I told you yesterday, maybe? Two Two days days ago? ago? That I... Yeah. Maybe? Um, Yeah, so this never got out there because it was in our episode that didn't have audio on half of it. (laughs) But I had told you that I was planning to watch Never Have I Ever, Mm, mm -hmm. the new Mindy Kaling show. And then I did watch it, and I watched it all straight through because I literally just was like enchanted Mm -hmm. by it it's and it's so easy to watch because it's only like half hour episodes Mm -hmm. um it was funny it was charming it was great I highly recommend it if anyone wants like a you know an easy watch that you know will make you laugh it'll make you cry but you don't want anything that's like too heavy like I think it fits the bill okay I've been looking forward to watching it eventually I'm also a sucker for, like, teen comedy, which it was, so. Mm. But not in the, like, 10 Things I Hate About You way. Just, like, you know, it's like watching people who feel like their problems are enormous and knowing that they're not, but it's still entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the 10 Things I Hate About You Some of the problems on the show are, are enormous, though, so that's not quite fair. But, hmm. well, what team are you on? I'm on Team Cordelia. Yeah. Team Cordelia. Last chance. I'm sorry that this happened to you, but I'm glad we got to see a, at least a better version of you one one more time. Yes. 
I thought you were apologizing to me, no. and I was like, what happened to me? <laughs> I'm sorry to Cordelia and Chris McCarpenter that this is ultimately what happened, but it did mean a lot that we got to see you as your old self again to me. Yes. What a breath of fresh I air. I keep I'm wanting to say, like, rest in peace, but she did die, so I guess that's appropriate. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back. Well, we'll be back next time. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.